Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome on to an immediate reaction, Dunked On Basketball Podcast, recording this in simulcast with the Twitter NBA show. So the way we're going to do this, we'll talk about each game, get some questions from the viewers slash listeners as we go through, probably do that at the end, maybe about 10 minutes in after we talk about these games. We got to start though with Pels and Blazers, a 111-102 Pels victory. They're able to take control late. I thought the biggest plays of the game were actually Pelicans guards getting loose ball rebounds down the end and that really prevented Portland from ever getting a chance to get back in contact at the end. Yeah, it was surprising considering it was such a change from what had happened early in the game when Portland had gotten such an advantage on the offensive glass. Alfred Aminu in the early part of this game was an absolute terror. I thought he did a great job on the offensive glass. He was also effective as a jump shooter. Something like 3 of 3 or 4 of 4 from 3 in the first half and that advantage turned late and as you said it was guard effort. Drew Holiday got in there for a couple of them. That crazy sequence where Etwan Moore missed a free throw. The offensive rebound ends up, or the, sorry, the offensive rebound, I think it was off of AD's miss, goes to Moore for a wide open layup. He misses that. Oh, it was his own missed free throw. Oh, so there wasn't, there wasn't another missed shot in between. Yeah. And so then it goes out and then the ball, ball bounces around again. And then that's what led to the Rondo three, I believe, right? Yeah. Eventually it was that Rondo hitting a three to put them up eight inside of the, of the final minute, a wide open corner three they decided that they're gonna just straight double drew holiday at half court i mean he was a one-on-one against cj mccollum that's a guard and you can say all right we're not gonna guard rondo but there's a difference between not guarding a guy because we help off of him after penetration has already occurred and oh let's just leave this dude wide open in the corner all day i mean he's still a guy who's shot 37 percent on threes this year it's more the issue of time and space and volume for him if he's that wide open that's a good shot well and they didn't trap quickly they just kind of stood there and were closing the ground and Drew yeah. Holiday's a, a point guard he's played that position his whole life he saw the situations like okay all I need to do is get the ball to a teammate he knew where Etwan Moore was and they they didn't get any of the benefits other than getting the ball out of Drew Holiday's hands now part of the reason they might have wanted to get the ball out of Drew Holiday's hands two things one I think he was the MVP of this game overall it's the MVP of the series MVP so far, of the probably. series so far it, although AD still has been oh, he's outstanding been, at yeah. the rim but but I, I and one of the big plays that swung this game because Portland came all the way back. I thought I thought New Orleans had a pretty good hold on it. They were up eight, nine, something in that range. But then Portland came all the way back. And then one of those plays that swung the pendulum in New Orleans's favor was Zach Collins, who played the end of this game after Yusuf Nurkic had a contusion and he was available to return but did not return. Yeah. He also was like completely exhausted. It, it in, was like Yeah, especially in the first quarter when he played yeah. like that nine minute stretch. But so Collins was on Drew on a switch and he just gave him too much space. There was only five 
five seconds left on the shot clock. In those circumstances, you have to be aware of the situation, kind of the equivalent of down and distance in football. Because the worst case scenario, if you pressure up on him, is that he drives, that probably takes two, three seconds, and then you trust your help, you trust your teammates, and instead he got an unimpeded three, which he drilled, and that made the lead that New Orleans really solidified and never relinquished. And it was interesting to me, too, that Stotts wanted to switch everything. I guess that's why they left Collins out there. They had Collins guarding Miritich, and then they had Harkless, Andrew, and Aminu guarding AD. So the thought was, okay, we'll switch Harkless on AD. Harkless did a pretty nice job on AD a few times, and they tried to post him, so they went away from that. But then they went to the Miritich pick and pop, and Miritich hit that one crazy jumper, and I thought with a ton of arc on it after they switched it late. They were trying to switch it. It was called late, and then they weren't able to close out that quickly. But, you know, I'm not sure, like, why they didn't even try playing conventional pick-and-roll defense. It's not like Zach, Zach Collins has decent feet, but, I mean, we haven't seen him thrive in that role particularly. He doesn't have particularly long arms. Well, and Drew Holiday had succeeded so much as a driver in this game. It's yeah. it's a very different circumstance if you're playing a limited guy, maybe more of a shoot-first sort of player, and so you're getting them out of their comfort zone with a big on them. No, Drew Holiday had been taking care of the Portland bigs that entire game on drives. I mean, he I think his first something like six baskets were all on twos and was getting getting towards the basket, doing a really nice job. And I feel like we've gone long enough without talking about Mo Harkless. And I think that was maybe the most surprising thing about this game was not just that Mo Harkless was available to play, but that he looked as good as he did and played as many minutes because he was impressive in a small sample. I think he played nine minutes in the first half, comes back and then looks good and keeps on playing and ends up with 27 minutes in this game. He's plus 10 in a game where no other trailblazer was better than plus five. He was really good. I mean, he had a couple of dunks. His defense was out. He forced a couple of AD misses at the rim and help. He rimmed in that huge three that I think gave the Blazers a, a brief lead uh, kind of in the mid 90s or so, like 95, 94, I want to say it was. Uh, uh, but then New Orleans would outscore them the rest of the way. And I think uh, New Orleans defense should get a lot of credit. Again, we didn't think of this team as a great defensive team. Dame Lillard, 40 minutes, 7 of 18 from the field, 1 of 7 only from 3. The one that he hit was uh, that one that he got fouled on, which I thought was a dubious call, although people said he, he got hit in the head later. Um, but only 17 points on 19 shooting possessions for him. And the biggest thing that they've done to shut Dame down is he's been great at getting to the foul. And that's one of the, been, one of the great evolutions for him in his career. Only 2 of 2 from the foul. And again, he was, I think he had, only had 2 free throw attempts in game 1. And those, I believe, were and ones on jump shots. I don't think they were... You're right. Yeah, he was not able to get to the rim. He wasn't able to get guys on his back and draw fouls that way. So they did a great job of not fouling against Lillard. And then something that you advocated for throughout most of the game, they went with Holiday actually guarding CJ. CJ had 22 points, but I think he did a lot of his damage against others. And but with Etwan Moore guarding Lillard, even uh, Ian Clark, you know, with guys like Miritich, I thought was decent in pick and roll defense. They also did a trap with Miritich when he was involved, and then they had AD behind him at the rim and a. You know, he was four out of six on threes, but they didn't get those threes for him in the second half. They took that away while still having AD provide help. And one of the ways that New Orleans got really fortunate in this matchup is that Portland doesn't have a three to punish them for playing Rondo in the starting lineup. So what they've largely done, and Evan Turner only played 20 minutes in this game, but New Orleans' goal has been to put Rondo on Evan Turner, and he just can't do as much to exploit that matchup. Yeah, he 
can run him in through some screens. You can do some things like that. But he's he didn't hit his shots in this game. I didn't think he was reliable at it in game one. And he he's still not the focal point of the offense. You don't want to oh let's give the ball to Evan Turner a bunch to exploit Rajon Rondo. That's why that's why that signing was always so dumb because it's like oh yeah we're gonna have Turner handle the ball and we'll run Damon CJ off the ball like just like the Warriors is like yeah you know now I mean he could provide more value now if Harkless is ready to start as a sixth man and you know to stagger those guys and to be kind of the gap filler which was always the role I thought was more interesting and that ties in with one of the more surprising parts of this game as well Shabazz Napier didn't play yeah that was interesting too and maybe I'm surprised at that because really and maybe I think a lot of that was just due to Harkless taking those minutes uh and Connaughton played more he actually I thought he played well actually he was sure three of five had a couple of nice uh finishes with his outstanding vertical leap like 38 or something <laughs> 36 I mean he's still pretty is pretty athletic yeah five white dude um but and then Turner was oh out of six and there was some talk that he had suffered a toe injury and maybe that's why he didn't return but Harkless obviously had I mean that's playing 27 minutes like of that intensity in your first game back I mean that's yeah, really and, tough and this is on the short side I don't I, we didn't get the exact number of days after his surgery but I think it was almost exactly three weeks yeah and for those who remember Darren Collison had a, a surgery and we, that was one where I think he tried to come back early but it took a week and a half two weeks for him to really look like Darren Collison and Mo Harkless had a, had a really strong yeah. game a couple other standouts to mention I mean AD was not um you know he wasn't a mega star in this game but I thought he did have some really really nice moments that completely ridiculous finish that he had on the lob from Etuan Moore he nasty. had some impactful stops at the rim and Davis playing off of Nurkic when Nurkic was playing which wasn't all of this game it gives them a freelancing shot blocker that makes Lillard think a little bit and I think that's also part of the reason why the foul trouble uh, hasn't really been there and Lillard hasn't gotten to the line is because well AD is going to get the benefit of that a whole heck of a lot more than most other teams power forwards or fives however they're running the pick and roll and I've been very impressed with the way that New Orleans has been able to get away with that and a lot of that credit should go to Nicole Miritich. Yeah, he was really good at sliding his feet. Uh, I thought a lot of times pick and pop, uh, three of seven from three, some deep threes for him uh, as well. And, and Rondo, you know, we certainly were critical uh, of him. I thought that his defense could have been better at times, especially when it was his job to plug on the roll man. Well, he benefited Nurkic. probably from Nurkic not coming back. I mean, because that yeah. was the guy who had beasted him the most was he because he was providing so little resistance and Nurkic is great at exploiting low resistance. Um, But I mean, Rondo, it's hard to argue that he wasn't a positive in oh, this absolutely. game. Oh, uh, absolutely. 16 points, 9 assists, 10 rebounds, 6 of 11, uh, 2 out of 3 on 3-pointers, and he was able to get to the rim just enough. This is something that was uh, was highlighted a lot between games that the strategy was, hey, AD is such a dangerous role guy. The Blazers don't like to give up threes, so we're going to make those guards finish at the rim, and Rondo was able to do that just well enough in this game. Well, And also, they used AD, even though I don't love him as a pop guy because he's just so great as a roller, yeah. having him pop takes a guy away from away from the rim and Portland in particular doesn't have a lot of help defense and even they they went to a little bit to Aminu at center in this game but even in normal lineups they didn't have a lot of help defense out there and so Rondo was able to get some of those speed layups I thought that Drew Holiday that helped him at certain moments to just not have AD guy AD's guy out there and just have that battle plan and you know AD had had a couple of threes he only finished one or two I think he had another like three or so mid-range jump shots and one of the stats that I thought was really interesting in this game is that New Orleans they were 6 of 15 on mid-range shots but then they were 12 of 24 on threes so yeah. they were they were basically 8 out of 16 in the second half too yes they, they 
only got up eight threes in the entire first half and we thought man the Blazers defense is really working and then uh they're able to do much better in the second half and what do you think should they have played Collins down the end should they have played Nurkic what do you think of that decision to go with Zach Collins I don't think Collins I mean he had some shocking plays in this game I mean scoop layups like uh, uh, some some unusual skill set stuff but I didn't think he was super impactful defensively and that was an element that the Blazers really needed and the big surprise in this game was that they were able to get those minutes from Harkless so to me if you can do that then you go with somebody maybe somebody other than Collins I I don't know if Aminu's ready to play play the five for you know an extra five minutes or so but I don't think Collins was really much value added or I mean even then like let's say you're choosing between him and Pat Connaughton let's say Connaughton's a way better shooter and you're going to be imperfect with Anthony Davis but I believe Anthony Davis didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter he missed two layups and I think he missed a mid-ranger and that's not to say he was bad or anything like that he was providing a lot of other value so if AD if you're if they're going to try to post him up I think that stagnates New Orleans's offense a little bit yeah we did not see one of the adjustments that we hoped for which was try to get Rondo uh, onto Dame Lillard I think Rondo really only guarded Dame one time and that was the play where Pat Connaughton just cut right into Dame Lillard's drive uh in an ISO with five five seconds remaining on the shot clock uh, the the Caspi cut uh right into the the guy who's trying to drive to the basket um so maybe that's something else that they can do I mean Dame did get his foot stepped on in the second quarter and maybe you know he wasn't the same after that although he was still out there he obviously was struggling with an ankle injury and, and Miritich looked a little bit off earlier in the game too he, we don't know exactly what happened it looked like he kind of like stepped off the court a little bit rather than on a well he, he sprained his ankle yeah you could see his ankle turned a little bit yeah I just couldn't see what turned it but you're right it turned ankle but he still came in the game I believe he made that big high arcing three after that point and I mean it's impressive that he battled and New Orleans has more options now that Solomon Hill is back but I thought they did a really nice job of playing the guys that that brought them there and Sheikh Diallo only played four minutes in this game I don't think that having him out there for any longer would have particularly helped them but Hill you know this wasn't a great Ian Clark game but I think he's the best of those kind of remaining options so maybe tell him not to shoot as much yeah but having him out there i mean i would probably play darius miller a little bit more that might be the way to strike that balance but i think that gentry is doing a relatively good job of managing this rotation and in some ways it is easier when you're missing a couple guys because you know who your players are at that point ben just gave us a a couple of stats here shooting numbers from the guards and i wanted to get to this with drew holiday 16 of 22 at the rim through the first two games and this is a portland team that allowed one of the lowest field goal percentages at the rim in the last 10 years yeah this this year because they always have guys around there and they take it away and that's i thought that was a big part of when they really spaced them out when they went to switching that they took away what the blazers do best defensively and then drew four of seven for mid-range three of eight from three so it's all what he's just been getting to the basket and especially in that second quarter in pick and roll he was dominant and he had that nasty dunk lefty on nurkic i mean he is really just exploding at the basket right now getting his chest into guys that was something that he's talked about um just in the middle of a game when he's mic'd up for the pelicans broadcast about how his strategy is to jump hit the guy in the chest with his shoulder knock him back and score and he was able to do that again and again i mean and whether he jumped and did it or whether he actually just knocked a minu back in a drive and went to a hook shot i mean his strength really really impressive um he's been awesome and then for the blazers lillard five of eleven at the rims only 11 shots 
shots to the rim is not great. 0 of 4 on Florida. So he's not getting to the bucket, and they're forcing him into more mid-range. Yeah, and I think he's taken like six free throws in, this, in the first two games. Four, I believe. Yeah, I think he was only had two in, in the first. Um, And five of 16 only from three for Dame. And then CJ has been getting to the rim for six out of 10, which he doesn't often, but uh, just not getting the great shots. Seven out of 18 from three is okay, but uh, really has not been uh, that good from these guards. And whether it's been Holiday, AD at the rim, you know, the Pels defense has overall been pretty good. Although, you know, the Portland offense wasn't terrible, about 107 hmm. offensive rating, but the Pels just could not be stopped in this one. Yeah, and something worth noting there also is that Lillard taking more shots f- from two outside the restricted area than inside the restricted area. And when you combine that with free throws, I mean, that is a standard shot distribution for a guard, but Lillard is so good at getting to the basket. It is a little bit different for him. And you expect the three-point percentages to go up, at least for Dame. I mean, five of 16. Well, CJ at seven of 18 is, is okay. But Portland is going to have some defensive challenges in the series. I think each one more is the nice job. We've, we've lauded Drew plenty and, and he deserves all of it. But it's going to be those guys, I think, that have to carry Portland because they don't really have anybody else other than in these little fits and starts they can carry them. That's why so many of these series over the past couple of years swung with teams forcing Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless to shoot threes to try to beat them because that's just a better option. All right, let's take a, a few comments slash questions here. Um, at what point does Dame need to put up or shut up inefficient and only all right? So, I mean, I don't know about the shut up. I'm not sure like what, what part of that is. I mean, he's just a public presence just like everyone else. He had a wonderful regular season. I, probably, I would have voted him first team uh, all NBA most likely. But, you know, whether it's that sprained ankle carrying over, whether it's just great defense from the Pels, I, I, I probably, when we talked about our top 10 players, overrated his playoff performance a little bit, not only just because of that shot that he made it, um, but due to some of the playoff success that they've had um, when actually, you know, he wasn't necessarily that efficient during uh, those games. But no, I, certainly he's disappointed. I'm sure he would feel very disappointed. Um, I don't think that their strategy has been great, but it, it's tough because you got Anthony Davis on the floor and you got Drew Holiday on the floor and that's uh, that's pretty difficult. And then, you know, these shooters have not been making shots necessarily. And so, especially in the first game when you've got Turner out there and then uh, same thing again tonight, uh, maybe if they can play Harkless more and, and they can get back to their preferred starting lineup and uh, deal with those traps a little bit better. I mean, there was the, in that Clippers series, they had trouble with that too. So I think it's a, and, and that's why they signed Evan Turner. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, we don't have enough playmaking because we kept getting Dame trapped all the time. Well, uh, you know, he's got to expend a lot of energy to score. And this is, I would give more of the credit to the Pels than blame to him, but certainly it's been a, a disappointing series for him to this point. Uh, somebody asked if Stotts has been outcoached by Gentry. I don't think that's been the reason the Pelicans are ahead by two games to zero, but I do think Gentry has done a good job. So I would say, yeah, I would say Gentry's done a better job, but it's not like Stotts has been, you know, out manipulated or something like that. I mean, I just think that New Orleans best guys fit well in this series and they've done a great job. And I think Gentry has done maybe a little bit more to unlock those guys, especially like late in that game, the way they were using Miritich. I think that was really nice. And Stotts has been a little bit more maybe reactive than proactive. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, what have we liked from, from Stotts? Um, you know, I think the the idea of putting Harkless on on Drew Holiday and then Aminu on AD and being able to switch that was a good one. But then when you try to also go with Zach Collins and they were able to attack that, I think Gentry adjusted well to go to that matchup. Well, I, the double late, I was not a yeah. huge fan of. I there. think going going a little bit more to Connaughton, especially at the expense of yeah. Evan. I thought I thought that was good though. Yeah, I, so do I. Connaughton That's what I was. Well. Yeah. And, and by the way, someone was saying in the in the comments like, "Oh, I what's with all the Connaughton shade?" It's more just about the jokes of people who like blind 
blatantly cite that he has a 44 inch vertical when there's clearly a measurement error though i believe that we talk about it now more than they do but no no that's true i mean it's just it's just a joke a little little inside humor i mean Connaughton is a great teammate uh by all accounts uh shot the ball better this year i think you know he'll have a place in the league for a while maybe as as a uh, poor man's marco bellinelli um but let's see um how would the uh, it's not about this game yet let's try and keep it to this game still um is this Drew performance sustainable? Are the Pels going to fall off a cliff when he regresses? Uh, you know, I think defensively, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. And he's been getting to the rim and finishing, you know, with with power and with strength. You know, it's not like he's bombing a bunch of Jays that wouldn't normally go in. I think, and the Blazers don't have a great option to guard him. You know, Dame, CJ, uh, they've gotten with Evan Turner, but then you know, I thought Turner was okay on him at times, but then he, he was out of the game now, so who's going to be? And they don't have a lot of variable options on their bench either they they've gone more offense over defense at those spots too so there isn't really that like gap filler kind of guy of like oh well you could throw this guy as, as a different option because Shabazz Napier wouldn't do any better I, I'd say he will regress from this point just because this is pr- some of the best basketball Drew Holiday's played in his career yeah. but he might not regress too far from this um it, did we finish up the the outcoached question I think I, so I think that's because it, so, but, always... but I, I think there are more positives I think Gentry's like it's it's more positive yeah. for him though you are always weighted on that by oh yeah his team has also won both games but I think I think he's done a good job of maximizing of, of putting in his talent the other thing that I would like to see Gentry do especially because they haven't had the ball in Drew's hands enough incidentally for my opinion is squaring his minutes up a little bit more with Lillard I think Lillard has had some of his best minutes when Holiday was off war and so maybe doing that more like a defensive stopper because Holiday's role is so inconsistent anyway that I don't think it's like oh well he has to play his minutes with this surrounding talent I'd like to see them shifted a little bit but NBA players are creatures of habit and it might just be that Drew's like I want to play my minute yeah and I also felt that um you know Gentry I didn't really care for the strategy in the lineups down the end of game one although the Pels again were in control I mean that's probably the biggest thing that's got to worry you as a Portland fan is you know the Pels have really been in control for most of this series most mm-hmm. of these games you know they've had yeah, they came seven point ten point lead yeah Portland came back in this game but they weren't they they never really had a handle on it yeah they, they were going okay in the first half but a lot of that was on that offensive rebounding which you expected was going to be cleaned up and was in fact um this is a, a good comment on something that we've hit bef- on before ad zero touches in the last 340 I, this is that's just something that's mentioned in the comments i can't i don't remember whether that's the case or not but uh again you know you can see how dependent he is on the guards and the clutch and that's true sure uh, uh although you know they they can try to work to get him the ball more i i've said this during the broadcast that the first team that takes one of these awesome skilled centers and, and they actually New Orleans does it with Cousins to actually just let him dribble from the top against whatever slow-ass dude is guarding him. Now, if it's Aminu on AD, that's not going to work. But if he's guarded by a traditional center, I think you can get away with that uh, as a way to get him some well, more touches late. And also, AD was providing a lot of value by occupying quality defenders, and like so, they they were able to yeah. to get stuff to get stuff for other guys because of AD's presence. And you have to have enough talent to actually maximize that. Drew Holiday has been huge for this exact reason. But you know, having Zach. Collins out there but not on Anthony Davis because he can't guard Anthony Davis opened up a lot of those options um let's see here someone asked uh who has the best chance of winning uh, of the teams that are down 2-0 so to summarize that is the um Spurs the Spurs no, no the Bucks <laughs> the Blazers and the Wiz and the Wiz it's the Blazers I mean I think they're the they're the best they still have home that... court I mean because it's still you know you can follow the formula all right they probably you got to win one obviously 
obviously in New Orleans, but then you're coming back home for game five. Like being down 3-1, coming back home for game five is a much different animal than it is. Uh, and in theory, they were the better team during the regular season as well. What, and maybe they get more what, out of Harkless going forward. You know, they could change this a little bit. Well, and the other big reason is because those games have been closer. I mean, Toronto has, we'll talk about it very soon. Toronto has outclassed Washington, Warriors have outclassed the Spurs, and Boston, Boston-Milwaukee's weird, but I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing some of those dynamics. I would say that's the second most likely series. Before we move on, this from Simple Contacts. They let you renew your prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from anywhere in minutes through an online self-guided vision test. And it's probably one of those things, renewing your prescription, ordering contacts that you never realized how much time it actually wastes to do that, to actually go to the doctor's office, make an appointment. Ah, you know, sorry, your your appointment is uh, at two o'clock. That means you arrive at the waiting room and fill out your forms at two o'clock and you get seen at 2.30. Before you know it, you spent two hours. And especially for people who work during the day, do you really want to go to a doctor's office either on your weekend or try to get off of work to go there? No, you want to actually be productive or listen to a podcast. The way you do it is through their app, you take their simple vision tests, see whether your prescription is still the same, and then you can go ahead and order your contacts after paying only $20 for that vision test, which again, when you consider how much time you're saving, is a fantastic deal. Their shipping is free as well with their great contact lens prices. Of course, we do want to note that this is just testing your current prescription. They're not going to write a completely new prescription for you. That one you still have to go for the doctor for. And you also need to periodically do that to examine your eye health. But if you're just trying to renew your current prescription and they'll test to make sure that your current prescription still works, Simple Contacts easily the way to go. And you can get $30 off your first Simple Contacts order. We got to change up the code on this one because apparently it was showed up on some coupon site. So it's simplecontacts.com slash dunk, D-U-N-C, or you can enter the code dunk, D-U-N-C at checkout. That's simplecontacts.com slash dunk. Remember, a different code for this one, dunk at checkout, $30 off your contacts with that dunk code, D-U-N-C um all right let's go to boston milwaukee now we <laughs> we have we have to talk about it at, oh there, there's plenty there. to talk about with this game oh man I, I may have even just like purged it from memory already but uh let's start with uh you know the bucks giving up 120 points on a 91 possessions to the boston celtics who basically scored at close to a worse in the league level without Kyrie irving this year and they had big games from a lot of different guys i'm guessing for for a lot of different reasons you'd like to start with Jalen Brown. I thought Jalen Brown looked really good in this game, more confident off the dribble, but also taking his jump shot. And you and I talked before the series started that even if, you know, because of how haywire this is all gone with injuries, that defining success for Boston is very unusual for a two seed. But it was really about how these young guys looked with a higher usage, a bigger role than we would expect. And Tatum, I thought, looked pretty good in, in game one. He kind of went to the to the limelight in this one, but I thought Jalen Brown really stepped up and i thought terry rozier had a really nice game too yeah tatum was only two and nine for four points in this one uh but braun i mean five of 12 on three pointers the bucks strategy was that on any dho with braun coming out of the corner that's what they like to run to get him going to the middle they're going to go under on that and braun was able to punish that with a couple of, of those three pointers and a couple of nice drives too yeah yeah and i mean this is something that's been talked about but braun tatum those guys you know they're not ready to just run a high pick and roll into a set defense yet although Braun did have some nice moments there he had some nice moments and ISO um you know he had 
one play where he just completely cement-footed John Henson, went right around him for a layup in pick and roll when Henson was trying to lay back. Um, but also, it's just uh, the play that I tweeted out at Nate Duncan NBA. For some reason, you don't follow me on Twitter, maybe because I tweet 97 times a game. But it was a play out of the corner where they did the, a, a handoff pretty deep in the corner to him. And then he was able to just kind of get a running start, begin his drive even before catching the ball. And just he's so fast, he's able to get right to the rim. And uh, the Bucks' rim protection was, uh, shall we say, lacking in this game? Yeah, four blocks in the game for them. And only, I believe, one of them came from a traditional center. Partially because their backup center is Tyler Zeller and Tyler Zeller is not good. Well, and it's not even that. They just weren't even getting there. Either. Yeah. And, you know, part of that is Al Horford playing at center. He can kind of mess with you well, a little bit. And something I, I was thinking about in this game, I didn't actually bring it up on the Twitter NBA show, is I, I spent some time thinking about Aaron Gordon in this game. And the reason why is that part of why I've been disappointed in him is that I don't think he has as much kind of burst or creativity with the ball in his hands. But then I was sitting there going, well, he doesn't have surrounding teammates and coaching to get him in the positions to succeed going downhill the way that Jalen Brown has. And you have to balance those two things. I mean, Jalen Brown has done a great job so far, in my opinion, of making hay out of this opportunity in terms of, you know, getting good sets and driving and playing with intention. But you have to appreciate that Brad Stevens runs really good stuff and gets him and Jason Tatum in positions to succeed. Absolutely. And we'll turn to the Bucks now. Chris Middleton had a wonderful offensive game, but it really fell off the rails for the Bucks at the start of the fourth quarter. They went to the Giannis at center lineup that we'd been clamoring for, but not with any shooting really around him the way they had. I thought it was part of why it was so successful was they had Snell, they had Brogdon, they had Middleton around Giannis, and then also Bledsoe. And, you know, instead they had a lot more non-shooters on the floor. Giannis had a couple of nice moves, but he still, he could make some more moves. You know, he could get some some more crossovers, create some more separation. And a lot of it's just go one direction, try and spin back. And then if there's help there, it can be a little bit of a problem. And for the Bucks, just when they tried to get out and transition in this game, they were great. Other than that, it was really ugly. And Tony Snell, to me, has been a, a pretty significant disappointment in this series. He's just hasn't really gotten into a rhythm on either end of the floor. I don't think he's been, I mean, he's been better defensively than offensively, but that's kind of damning with faint praise. And then the biggest disappointment for the Bucks has been Eric Bledsoe. I mean, we hoped that he would be a difference maker and something you noted on the show, which is very important in terms of context for evaluation for players like him, is that I just mentioned the idea of putting a player in the position to succeed. Eric Bledsoe isn't doing any of the stuff that he's best at because the Bucks don't have the personnel and aren't running. Yeah, I, I mean, he definitely can push the ball, but we saw the two plays that illustrate what Bledsoe can do were at the end of that game one with the Giannis at center lineups where the floor was spaced and he was able to just attack straight away or, or run some high pick and roll and they just have not really been able to do that with him he's not a, a great passer he's not a great spot up shooter though he actually did hit two out of four from three I mean a big problem for the Bucks too only 17 three-point attempts I mean that's not going to cut it in this one but they did put up 106 and if they hadn't gotten seven of 17 from the foul line they probably would have scored totally fine I mean this was this was not a, although they put up a few of these points late when the game was decided uh with a 31 point fourth quarter uh, but you know this what they didn't lose this game on offense like for the slow game 90 possessions 106 is totally good it's just you know over a 130 offensive rating to the Boston Celtics like that's that's not gonna do and yeah the Celtics again have had some hit some pretty ridiculous shots you know Marcus Morris again had some great shot making in this one he was three of six um amazingly actually the Celtics shot 11 of 18 from the free throw line themselves they shot poorly it could have yeah. been even worse and, and Shane Larkin was in a pretty good rhythm in this game yeah. as well after the four turnover 
whatever first half in game one he's really settled down a little bit they have had the ball in his hands a little bit less as a creator since you mentioned larkin by the way i want to mention just the sequence that was like the most typical of like the buck game both from a coaching and an execution standpoint first off larkin i think it was with like you know 32 seconds left in the third quarter just blows by jason terry they were running some action on the weak side and john henson basically has his back to the play never i mean because basically what coaches tell you is like you should be turning your head constantly as a defensive player seeing ball and man if you can't see them both you should be turning your head so fast that you look like like a chicken and you look like a moron but that's the only way to have the you should be updating as much as you can in real time your picture of where the ball is and where your man is and henson just turned the opposite way to guard whoever was coming off that screen and clearly the celtics have taught that because that's the same way that they got eric bledsoe it, it, him trying to cheat to weak side screening action and so larkin just blows to the basket Giannis, no idea john henson didn't even realize that larkin was had driven until he was already laying the ball in and then the next time down the celtics call a timeout with three seconds left in the half prunty sticks with 40 year old jason terry who just gotten blown by by shane larkin mind you and they throw it into larkin and larkin you know it wasn't horrible defense by terry but larkin was able to get a good look in three seconds and why you would have jason terry on the floor in a defense only situation just no idea at all you you pointed that out you were livid about that i i was livid about it and also when you inbound the ball with three seconds left and i think larkin was shortly behind the half court line at that point there isn't enough time to make like a long looping pass or something like that when when a guy gets the ball there you go okay my job if there's anybody else it's like get on this guy if he if he's your player like jason terry and if you're somebody else it's like okay he's not going to be able to make this play maybe if your guys at the basket try to some sort of alley-oop but there just isn't enough time to make everything happen so i was you know frustrated in a lot of different moments with with what the bucks are doing on defense and something that i i found surprising to a point though maybe i shouldn't have was the bucks trying different players in game two than had even been a part of game one matthew delvedova came in a little bit in the first half i thought he was effective i thought i he think he should have played more time. and then shabazz muhammad had a couple of different moments he actually did a, a decent job on, on attacking mismatches a little bit just kind of the idea and they weren't the boston wasn't really exploiting him defensively so i mean muhammad played 12 minutes i'm totally fine with that being his total and and everything like that but i do like that prunty went to other guys but it was weird because i thought especially delvadova outplayed his competition and then didn't return yeah that, that was weird um you know they went to sterling brown in the fourth quarter uh you know they went with Giannis at center and then they scored two points on it i mean the other thing that was interesting was with Giannis at center they had horford and monroe on the court and the matchup was with Giannis on al horford i guess the thought being that horford was going to kill them in the post and horford had a couple of post ups but largely when they stayed solid they were able to defend him okay uh but they had Giannis on horford and then that left middleton and monroe and monroe started killing them in the post and then they tried to double they didn't really do that effectively you know there was a play where bledsoe doubled and middleton just let uh monroe step through for an easy layup away from the double team you know, so they weren't really ready w- with that at all but you know it was another one of these times where, and then they weren't able to attack really offensively because they didn't have the spacing with the particular Giannis at the five unit that was out there but it was like all right you know four possessions of this we're going to give up John Henson you're back in you know oh uh, now uh, another four possessions we're going back to Giannis at center there's no like Prunty is just throwing shit at the wall and hoping that it sticks at this point because there's they're not like they don't have a coherent strategy and they haven't all season just like an idea of like this is what works 
Sharks and modern basketball. This is our identity. We believe in this. It's just, you know, and this goes back to the kid era. Just, all right, something worked for three possessions. We're going to do that now. Yeah, and I like that you got to the word identity because I sometimes it, it can become a negative depending on, on the coach and the system and all that. I mean, there are a couple of coaches who've been recently fired that you could talk about with that. But if you were to say, like, what are the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, if you were a, even a fan of that team, watched all 82 games and say, okay, what are we trying to do consistently offensively? What are we trying to do defensively? And the things that are have been a part of their identity aren't necessarily a positive. And then and outside of that, it can be so scattershot. And I was frustrated at how little Prunty went to the Giannis at center lineups. And, and if that's what he thinks is best. And of course, there's also a big difference between those lineups with and without Jabari Parker because of the defensive liabilities and all that kind of stuff. But if that's what you think is best and you've been outplayed for a game and a half or a game and a quarter, wherever you want to draw that line, you damn well better try that at least a little bit to see if that's another option. Oh, I, I agree with you. A few other notes uh, on this one here before we, we take a few questions. Uh, Jabari Parker continued to really struggle. It, they went with him with Giannis at center briefly, I think, and then he had to guard a power player. That didn't work very well. Uh, I thought that for the Bucks, uh, we can talk adjustments in a second, actually. Uh, Baines, I thought, was really good moving his feet mm-hmm. in this game. Like, he, he stayed with Giannis. He guarded Giannis times. on a couple possessions. Yeah, it really just, like, stayed in front of him. It was pretty impressive. He had a, a nice block in transition as well. I did not know that Baines was capable of moving his feet uh, that quickly in an ISO, which we haven't has not been featured. And then the Bucks through three quarters, 20% turnover rate again. I mean, that was just well, really bad. We also didn't mention the Yabusele played meaningful minutes in this game. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting strategy too of another guy who's a big, who's strong, can move his feet on Giannis. Not the most intelligent defender, but just one-on-one. He did okay. He missed a couple of threes as well. And we got to give a lot of credit, obviously, to this Boston defense. I mean, this is a, oh, good, yeah. a good Boston defense. Uh, but really, I think the Bucks D uh, was was to blame mostly. Well, and in and, this one. and you can see that in the way the the performances that Boston is getting from their support players, despite being shorthanded. I mean, they're getting better play from their bench, and they're dealing with you know Kyrie Irving being out. So Terry Rozier is having to play a lot more minutes. And I thought he had a really nice game: twenty three points, eight of fourteen from the field, eight assists. Only oh, I thought it was only one turnover. It was zero turnovers. Yeah, yeah, Rozier, another guy we probably haven't mentioned enough. You know, still limited passer and finisher but the shooting that he's shown in these playoffs and down the end of the year has been pretty impressive I mean he definitely uh, we probably uh, I mean he's played better since then but underrated him and his ability to maybe be a starting point guard because he is solid defensively as well if he can shoot like this you know that's a starting point guard if you can defend at a high level and make shots and especially make shots on the drill yeah he might be a limited passer but he can he can shoot it well enough now to play next to more other ball dominant guys so he's a guy who uh, would I want to overpay him you know you've got Kyrie Irving too maybe not but uh, or or even pay him his market value but he's a guy that we might want to look to trade uh, as well um let's do this actually this would be interesting why don't you guys suggest some adjustments for the Bucks, and we'll kind of go through and see what we think of them um and we can i have a few obviously and as well firing the coach is not an option <laughs> yeah yeah in this series things that they could do differently given the limitations that they have obviously this silence will get edited out by the way although i just ruined it by talking now all right why don't i uh okay here's one only let brogdon Giannis, uh, and middleton shoot um i mean i think they need to get something from blood so you obviously can't play it that way I, I do think there's something to be said for let's get chris middleton the ball anymore and hope that more. hope that tony snell isn't as scared to shoot i mean he's he passed up a lot of threes yeah. i thought which you know it, it seems like he doesn't have the greatest feel a lot of times in his career he'll either just like rush a three i mean we saw that one for the left corner that he rushed in the overtime uh, or he'll pass up shots uh, as 
well. So yeah, I would like to see him. I mean, you're not going to throw him the ball, but you know, maybe run him off the screen. I think running Middleton off some screens would be nice. We talked about yeah. that during the broadcast. He's, he's done a lot of good work in isolation, but I mean, generally speaking, guys do better off screens. Um, and, and then the other thing I'd like to see more of, I thought they had a lot of success with, especially when Larkin was in the game, using his man to screen for Giannis. They, they probably only did that two or three times, but I thought they got good stuff out of that, mm-hmm. giving Giannis a little bit of an advantage uh, there, especially Delhi is an accomplished screener. Uh, he could be used in um, that role. One somebody said that I like is more Del Vidova on Rozier off the bench. I think that, yeah, just get it. Somebody who can get into it a little bit more, get yeah. them off their rhythm, maybe make Boston have to work a little later in the shot clock so they can't get as many actions in. I, yeah. I fully support that. Uh, a lot of people saying no Bledsoe, uh, just let him and, and Chris go to work with shooters. I mean, some of some of those guys have got to get more, more threes, obviously. And this is a great Boston defense yeah. too, but I, and, I agree. More shooting with the honest at the five but it, it is worth noting that they lost this game on defense yeah and i think it's also to me replacing more of their bigs with guys you can shoot rather than their smalls because they just don't have that many shooters and so i i think going a little bit smaller getting getting more on the floor and even guys that maybe they're not making everything but you have to respect it it's not like they have the access to mirza toledovich or somebody like that in in that case you could say they could go differently but they don't um w- another one was to switch more defensively um i think maybe you probably do have to try that especially yeah, because would. their help defense was so terrible in this game and, and, and their pick and roll defense although I will say this I think Giannis when they've run pick and rolls at Giannis generally he's in conventional pick and roll defense he's looked pretty good mm-hmm. and there is a, a concern of getting him too far from the basket they don't have anyone else who has any kind of athleticism to come over and block a shot we saw Middleton really fail in that role as the underneath defender and so you do need to find a way to keep him closer to the rim if you're going to switch I mean maybe it's switch one through four around Giannis there also um you know they got killed on the offensive glass I think they're just gonna have to live with that I mean the Bucks always suck on the offensive glass that's just what happens um uh, a couple people have talked about Thon Maker I would I would try it I think that he's better he, he I mean it's yeah. it's a gamble but playing Tyler Zeller is a gamble too yeah I mean you could try it Thon and, and just have him stand out by the three-point line and then maybe that's you switch with him at the five although he looked a little better late in the season but generally just has not been as good as a switch yeah, guy give him like year. a four to five minute stretch and say hey if you don't yeah. bust your ass then you're not going to play again and granted i haven't always seen effort as his big problem area but it, it has been at, at some moments and so uh, I, yeah. i'd like to see that yeah maker has been completely different uh than last yeah, year, i mean but... it was a year ago right now that we got so excited about him um how does a team full of six eight athletic freaks suck on the glass who are these athletic freaks well jabari parker doesn't try hard enough and and i don't know and middle and middleton play. was more athletic younger when he was a little bit younger well he i mean he's looked good good getting to the rim but he's not a guy who can really you know he's like not a guy for a can, rebound yeah i mean Giannis is really and, the only guy and bledsoe's had some good boards he's not six eight but yeah he, he needs to be more engaged on the defensive glass the yeah. guards do i think that can be yeah and like him leaking out or something like that isn't as much of an advantage especially because the bucks don't have great outlet passing for me like if john henson gets a rebound oh great he's gonna get it to he's gonna get it to bledsoe at half court um all right we, we done with this uh, this game here let me let me just take a quick look at the box score. Uh, yeah, we talked about Yabusele. Yeah, I, I I think so. This is certainly a disheartening start for the Bucks. I still feel like the talent they have plenty of talent and like they can win some games in this series. But I I might as well say it now. You know, if you lose the first two games of the series, you have to win four out of five. And I don't I I just don't see them doing it. I'm not saying they can't because they can. They're they're they have to me the best player in this series. They have probably one to five better talent though. They have haven't played like it so far but i don't i 
just don't see it we'll be right back after this for movement it's always kind of difficult to find the right kind of sunglasses you spend 200 dollars. are you really getting what you paid for if you go to walgreens and get those 15 dollars sunglasses yeah they're gonna fall apart in two seconds and not fit you and leave those big red marks on the bridge of your nose but now our friends at movement who of course uh, make those awesome watches that many of you have bought are in the sunglasses as well they start at just 70 dollars. i have a pair of their aviators really enjoy those they're made out of acetate rather than plastic so much higher quality than your lower end sunglasses they've got in addition to the aviators i like polarized lenses you can add i think 20 bucks to get polarized lenses classic trends round glasses the aviators that i like again all starting at just 70 dollars with summer coming around time to get those sunglasses and you can do so at the low price of 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com mvmt.com slash guestface they do not believe in vowels at all mvmt or ends for that matter uh mvmt.com slash cap space is the url is remember that slash cap space url we talk about cap space all the time here on the program once again that's movement.com mvmt vmt.com slash cat space join the movement all right let's talk wizards and raptors now speaking of things i don't see the wizards chances of winning the series yeah and but i'm glad that this is what ended up happening because the toronto raptors should defeat the washington wizards like this right i mean and maybe you know this could be one of those series that changes when you change location but um the place to start here was demar Derozan's performance his three-point shooting early was important uh to make them close out of him but the thing is the washington wizards don't have anyone to guard DeMar DeRozan that's been the case for a while here he Porter isn't really strong enough or or quick enough not quite good enough getting over screens they run a lot of screens for him Wall and Beal are probably a little too small and they need their energy for offense and so DeRozan 14 of 23 from the field and he didn't even necessarily do it all that much at the free throw line either actually it'd be interesting to look up his shot chart because I know he did a lot of his damage in the second half which we didn't watch as much of because we were doing the other game um but we did watch the entire first half and in most of the fourth quarter and and the first half i mean to me the big story beyond DeRozan was the absolutely disastrous start for washington's starting five and then how scott brooks reacted to it i mean brooks basically spite rested john wall and bradley well all right i I don't know about that that's like that's a little too rough for me because they actually were coming back just to a limited extent without those guys yeah they they were cutting the lead but it's not like they were killing and they had that one little they had that run when Lawson was hitting a bunch of shots and yes Ty Lawson is in these playoffs I mean he played pretty well he, had, he did uh, well he, he had somehow had eight assists well, he yeah. was he was four of five on threes and zero of five on twos which is interesting yeah it was I think it was good for him to spend this time in China mm-hmm. because you'll remember last year with the Kings he would not shoot threes at all yeah. and uh now do you want to play him a ton over Saturday I mean he started off pretty well you know Mike Scott had the touch as well I mean those guys combined to go eight out of ten from three but uh you know probably not gonna be the foundation while at least you know had a pretty good statistical game he was 11 of 11 for the free throw line nine assists nine out of 17 but i mean i think the bigger problem for the wizards in this series is um they just cannot stop the raptors 44 points in the first quarter for the raps and while the raptors were really hot again on threes early i mean they cooled off 13 out of 35 but giving up 35 three-point attempts i know the raptors are shooting more threes now but like cj miles was getting wide open looks he was four out of six he's been uh I think he's now uh, eight out of 13 on threes for the series Sounds right. for miles. He had 18 points as well. Um, 
you know, I thought that uh, Lowry, again, you know, wasn't a great statistical game for him, although he did have 12 assists. But what I've liked the most from him is just his impetus pushing the ball. Like he really pushing the ball up court to run on this Wizards team. And then also just in the half court, he's really driving to the basket with more speed than we saw in the regular year. I think he's been a tone setter more than anything else. And what has changed with the Toronto Raptors this year is they don't need Lowry to be more than that. DeRozan has been able to take on more of it. He's facing the four more. And also they've had bench players step up in this game. I mean, I thought there were moments when DeLon Wright looked looked pretty good. I was still surprised to see him out there late. Fred Fred Van Vliet did come back, but he only played three minutes. Yeah, and and he had a rough start too. I think he had a couple of turnovers Mm -hmm. in that second quarter. They went back to Lowry pretty quickly. They did. Uh, And And they even went to Lorenzo Brown in the second half, who they signed for the rest of the season right before the playoffs as the G League MVP rather than go back to Van Vliet. So they really didn't feel like they had it with him, I don't think. And Jonas Valanciunas is still having the time of his life in this series. 19 points in 23 minutes on 11 shots and with 14 rebounds. And the Wizards centers have been disappointing, I would say, overall relative to expectations. Yeah. And only season. played 27 minutes combined in this. Yeah. And, but, traditional centers. and part of that is also Mike Scott had a very good game. Right. I thought he was playing really well and they were getting better stuff offensively. But again, I mean, this game is going to be decided on the defensive end. And I do not believe that the Wizards can reliably, credibly defend the Raptors with Keefe or Mike Scott at center. Yeah, particularly Scott is, is a tough defensive player. Otto Porter, Mike Prado was up in arms that Otto Porter, recipient of a max contract last offseason, lost minutes in the second half to a guy, Ty Lawson, who was signed uh, just before the playoffs, like literally the day before the playoffs. Um, and actually, that was a proper use of literally. Uh, I know that we, we hate the overuse of that phrase. Uh, but Porter, 25 minutes. And then Beal, what a struggle for him. Three for 11, nine points. But again, the, the Wizards did not lose this game uh, on offense. They lost it by giving up a buck 30 to the Raptors. Uh, ben just got the shot chart for DeRozan in the second half alone. Actually, we'll do the full one. The second half alone is not that enlightening. Two of three at the rim. Really scored from every level. Three of four. No, that's got to be the first half. What am I looking at here? Ah, yeah, here we go. Full game two chart. Yeah, four of five from floaters. Four of eight from mid-range. And three of four at the rim. But, he, you know, getting into the paint for nine attempts is pretty good. And then when he could finally, he can supplement his shooting with three out of six. He even had one where he popped out to the corner uh, pretty nicely. Good footwork to pop out, square up, and, and hit that shot. So it's a lot different for DeRozan when you actually have to guard him when he doesn't have the ball now. That really makes it so much easier on his teammates. Um, what else you got from this one? I mean, this is, I kind of had the least to say about this series coming in, and I have the least to say about it now. It's gone very much a, according to form but but and it's nice to say that for the Raptors because usually it doesn't go according to form for them well I think I've been surprised at how thoroughly the Raptors starters have outplayed the Wizards starters I expected them to get advantages in the mixed lineups and backup lineups just because they have better players even though Sadoransky shifting to the second unit theoretically would help the Wizards but they've just been trucked by Toronto starting five Valanchunas being a big part of that of course Rosen and Washington is going to have to change both of those dynamics moving forward but I would say the starter one is actually more important just because of how Brooks uses his best player can't believe I'm saying this what about more time for Jan Mahimi he was plus 11 12 points on four field goal attempts in 15 minutes in this game and maybe maybe he can help them defend only two fouls I mean because Gortat is too slow he can't jump anymore to protect the rim Mahimi is the only one who can actually like prevent the Raptors from having a complete field day and I think you do a better job on Valentine 
Valentinus as well, too. Yeah. So maybe he needs to play a little bit more. Uh, Earn that contract, baby. Yeah. Yeah, and I I wonder how significant Jody Meeks being suspended for this game was. I mean, I think that opened up Lawson, and Lawson played well. So I don't think that was, like, you know, devastating for them. And I wonder how that's going to affect it moving forward. But it it certainly is something worth thinking about. Is Van Vliet's injury a concern for the second round? He only played three minutes today. I don't think so. I mean, he was ready. So, and it was it wasn't bad enough that like you know he had to miss three weeks and they're rushing him back. Presumably, uh, you know they felt like he was ready to come yeah, back. I mean, so with more time, I think he'll be. Okay. They're they're ne- unless the Wizards win both games in Washington, the next time they'll really need him is probably like a week and a half from now, maybe two weeks from now, depending on how long that series goes. So I think they'll be okay. Mahimi could set the playoff record for fouling out. Hey, only two fouls in fifteen minutes today. He he, he probably set a. He's a veritable record. LeBron James in terms of fouling now. <laughs> It, it might be a concern, yeah. But I mean, at least they they're and they did well, fall a lot. Worst comes game, to worst, he commits a bunch of fouls. Big whoop. He's not going to close games. I mean, just give him three three to three and a half fouls per half and let him roll. Yeah. A, a note here on the Wizards pick and roll coverage. I do. I was surprised with how aggressive they were. I mean, even a, Lowry is a, a solid three point shooter off the bounce. But you know, I think especially as bad as their defense has been, to just like maybe they need to not concede so many wide open threes elsewhere and say if you want to shoot at least make it an off the bounce three for Lowry and maybe you know go to a more conventional pick and roll style with me I mean CJ Miles has been the threes he's taking he had one crazy ambitious one today but they've been really clean looks and considering the limitations they have at certain moments with shooters especially now that VV is not out there he should not be open as much um let's see here could other teams with decent benches find success with using the bench more in the playoffs like Toronto I mean the, the Toronto bench has largely been special though I thought it was worth noting that when they really put the game away they went back to their starters a, a little bit more and the starters have dominated here i i'm always skeptical i mean i think you really to do it you have to just play with such high energy but there are a lot of their long timeouts in the playoffs with the being on national tv uh, so uh, you know the raptors bench is probably one of the best in the league if not the best in the league and, and even they have kind of you know they got beat at the start of the second quarter for example i think they haven't well, been as effective and and most teams don't have five bench guys they trust yeah. so you you can't do it as much in those sorts of circumstances. I do think that teams can be, you know, more aggressive in terms of how they use those guys, but I don't think it's like, oh, you should play your bench a lot more. I mean, I, I go more towards the, generally speaking, towards the D'Antoni approach of play your best guys more, but don't run them into the ground idea. Well, and I think the other thing where depth can come in in the playoffs is you can play more styles if you have different sorts of players, right? Like, now, the Raps maybe still are too limited in guarding LeBron, uh, but I think OG hopefully can do an okay job there yeah and Siakam, Siakam I mean I know uh, Bob Vulgaris has killed Siakam's ability against LeBron I, I don't think he's been great but I think he can be at least you know passable enough where it's not just like oh he's getting put in the goal every time on a post up within three seconds um or one second I should say three seconds isn't that long so um any other thoughts uh, on this one before we wrap up here uh somebody asked is there anything that makes you think Washington could extend this past five games well if they hit their shots I mean Beal and they have capable uh, Porter Porter's looked off to me in both the games. He had that what looked like an ankle tweak early on in game one, and then Markeith had that one late in game two, or game one, whatever that was, whether that was knee, ankle, whatever. And if they just exert more on defense, play a little bit harder, try some of this stuff, I, I think they could. I don't expect it. I picked Raptors in five. I feel that maybe four is more likely than five at this point. You know, it's, I'd say it's between those two outcomes. But if the question is can, yeah, they can. I just don't. Yeah, you, I mean, you never know what's going to happen in 
in these game threes they usually come out pretty desperately although the Blazers came out pretty desperately today too and the uh the zigzag principle that uh, KP and uh Ben Falk pointed out uh, for Portland uh, was overcome usually teams that lose game one at home like really come out and win game two but that wasn't the case here uh game three a little bit different but I mean this is a one seed against an eight and the Raps at least you know have proven that they're not gonna just totally melt down and so you know I picked this in seven because of their history and they're at least starting off uh this is the best Raptors team that we've seen and and I expect that you know five games would probably be my pick at this point Mm -hmm. all right well that'll do it for today thanks so much for all your awesome questions watching with us here on the Twitter NBA show and uh we will talk to y'all tomorrow night gonna do Twitter NBA show tomorrow night we'll be back with this show as well talk to y'all then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 